while in Enion. Do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. Congratulations. Ron and Anian. It's always skeptical to test a charging system with a weak battery because you're never quite sure what the alternator is really trying to do. We are going to make the car doctor great again. You can't assume that because cars for the last 98 years had charging systems that put out more than battery voltage doesn't mean the next time you see one that that's correct and that's the way it's supposed to operate. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. We're We're not not worthy. We're We're not worthy. We're We're not not worthy. worthy. Now you guys got it right. Hello and welcome. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here at the Presidential Election Car Doctor Edition this very weekend and um, just having a little fun, folks. We need to have a little fun. We need to lighten up a little bit because uh, like it or not, love it or not, hate it or not, whatever it is, he's our president for the next four years. Get used to it. So hello and welcome. Ron Anney and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900 is the phone number. You can call in and give me a call, and we'll talk about anything automotive-related. Please, no political comments. We're just having some fun. I see the uh, tweets already going off. Everybody's already aggravated. Um, you know, calm down. Take it easy. Uh, This show is all about repairing your car and questions and answers and comments and things that I've seen during the course of the week at the shop at RE Automotive and also the past 43 years, uh, probably going on 44 years now of uh, fixing cars and uh, things that I see in trends and things that concern me. There are podcasts of this radio show. You might be a podcaster yourself. Please, I ask you, just hit the subscribe button if you can. You're taking the show uh, via a, a, a a subscription service. You can just hit subscribe. That helps us out. We can uh, go to our, our sponsors, and um, you know it helps show them that, yeah, actually somebody out there beyond my mother and uh, Tom Ray and Tony are listening. So uh, we can kind of do it that way. That's always important to us. But we are here for you. We do want to take your calls. We do want to take your questions at 855-560-9900 and see what's going on and um, let you know that uh, uh, this radio show is here for your purposes and to help you understand your automobile better. Um, like this guy. New customer came into the shop. You know, I, I don't understand the thought process that, that some people have, and I, I get it. I know why people can't find a mechanic, and sometimes, yeah, I understand that I'm in a dirty business in the sense that this industry has burned a lot of people. It's got a bad track record, uh, and I understand why. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of times this industry is its own worst enemy in terms of how they represent it and in terms of what they try and, you know, do to repair a vehicle. Person came into the shop, found us online, came in, and, um, you know, just some service on a on a Toyota RAV4. And pretty much, well, I'll tell you what, you know, not every job goes perfect, perfect, but you try. But this job went perfect. This job was 11 out of 10. All right? It was just dead nuts on the money. Right down to the point that when he came to pick up the car, it was $44 less than the estimate, and more work had been done, more things that were needed, and everything was just like sailing right along. And we got to the end, and he said, gee, I want to tell you, it's been a real pleasurable experience. I've enjoyed this. I have I've, I've really feel like I found a mechanic. And then there was this hesitancy. It was almost like he was afraid to admit it. But, you know, I haven't gotten the car home yet, so we'll have to see how it drives. Dude, you know what? 
I worked on your car. I took it around the block. I spent five, ten, eight minutes with it and, and drove it around a little bit. Trust me, the wheels aren't going to fall off. The car will make it home. And I don't understand that thought process. And it tells me that he's un, he's not at ease. He's uneasy when dealing with his car and its problems. And, you know, that is a concern as to why. And that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to know what can we as mechanics make it do to make it a little easier for you to help you, you know, some warm fuzzies. Because, look, you've got to be realistic, too. You buy a car, it's going to cost you something to maintain it. It's going to take knowledge. It's going to take tooling. It's going to take an education. It's going to take good quality parts. It's going to take procedures and processes. Had a regular customer yesterday. Gordon brought me his 2013 Chevy Tahoe. The park light circuit for the trailer wasn't working. You know, he'd hook up his trailer and he'd have no parking lights. He had directional, he had brake light, he had no parking light. Ran through a diagnosis. Now, I know everybody out there is raising their hand and going, oh, it's a fuse. Of course it was a fuse. Uh, you know, what else would it be but a fuse? Although it could be a connection, it could be in the harness. I mean, there's there's yeah, there's 10 or 12 other things it could be. But yes, it did turn out to be a fuse. The question is where and which fuse block. There's three fuse blocks in this vehicle. Well, this was in the underhood fuse block, and it was fuse number 25, which is a little tiny one, sitting there sort of wedged between the fuel pump relay that's not in there, according to the diagram, and fuse number three, because they're not in numerical order. They're not in any sequential order. And I replaced the fuse, and I did a nice job. I replaced the fuse. I marked the carrier, and I marked the new fuse with a dot of red nail polish, thinking that he's going to hook up his trailer, and the fuse will probably blow again somewhere out on Interstate 72. And um, when he's when he's in between the middle of nowhere and everywhere, and trying to you know find that fuse, where is it in the dark? And so I marked it. I thought that was the professional thing to do, and it was. It is. Come on, cut it out. Also spent some time looking the car over, and you know just where did the fuse? Could the fuse be? Could it have blown because the harness is rubbing somewhere on the chassis? Is it pinched on a gas tank? Is it you know what what else could be causing this? Spent an hour. Spent an hour, charged an hour, and he didn't even blink. And his actual comment was, gee, I think that's kind of cheap. Uh, you know, because when you stop and look at it, what do you get for $100 today? You know, not much. And when you look at the complexity of the automobile, so you've got to be realistic in how you approach this. And that's, you know, that's just my nickel's worth of free advice to you, that you've, you've, you can't buy a car and say, well, I'm never going to spend any money on it, because if you are you're kind of out of touch. I don't think you should be driving. Because I can tell you this, I can prove it to you time and time again, that in all my years of fixing cars, nothing runs without maintenance. They all require some sort of repair. I can also tell you that one of the things I've learned over time is the person that doesn't do the maintenance is usually the one by the time the car has 100,000 miles on it, they're replacing it because they think the car is worn out. And in actuality, it probably is worn out. It's it's beat up, and it hasn't had service, and it hasn't had care. Now, we change how we care and service vehicles. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you're if, if I've talked about this enough uh, that you might notice it, but I've been doing a little bit of end-of-the-year, beginning-of-the-new-year maintenance at the shop, you know, cleaning up and throwing out things and, you know, selling things off that we don't use anymore. For example, the dealer-level scan tool to work on a 92 Hyundai Elantra. I don't think I need that anymore. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it was a little bit of a time ago, you know, and it's come down to where that Hyundai Elantra is 
probably in the junkyard 10 years ago, and all the rest of them. I can't convince people to put catalytic converters on 2011 Jeeps with 65,000 miles on them. The chances of getting them to fix a 92 Hyundai Elantra are slim to none. It's just not going to happen. And that's something else that goes on behind the scenes that I don't think everybody's aware of. It would be interesting. I bet you it's a pile. It would be a mountain. The number of tools repair shops cycle every year. How many tools do you get rid of on a yearly basis that you just don't use anymore? I was reading a post on one of the mechanic forums that I belong to, and it was interesting. We don't use the brake lathe anymore. Remember, you you know, the Saturday morning brake job, you'd run out to the auto parts store, you'd get a set of pads, Wagner D52s, a set of 8871 National Seals, and you'd, you'd put front brakes on your Chevy whatever, all right? And you'd take the rotors out to the machine shop or to the gas station and for a cup of coffee and donuts at the gas station, because those guys in the gas stations are always hungry, but the machine shop, it was 6 bucks, 12 bucks, 10 bucks, whatever it was, and you had the rotors turned. Remember those days? Nah. I got a brake lathe in the shop. It's collecting dust. If I turn it on three times a year, that's a lot. But the problem is when you need it, you need it. The parts washer tank. Back when you did brake jobs and turned rotors, you also had front wheel bearings to clean and repack all the time or valve covers to take off and reseal and, and change gaskets on. That stuff is over. You use the parts washer four times a year, if that. It just doesn't happen. And on and on and on. The bearing press, I actually use the bearing press more, or the press, I shouldn't say bearing press. I use the hydraulic press now more than I did five years ago because it seems like wheel bearings have taken a resurgence, and I blame a lot of that on the design of the cars and the suspension and the quality of the parts. But my point is, Auto repair is very, very different. Look, if you're listening to this show, if you're still here after this 10-minute opening conversation, I commend you. I pat you on the back. I appreciate the fact that you're there. I just want you to be open to ideas because the things we talk about are very, very different than your perception in some cases because the way you fixed cars... Five days ago, well, okay, I'll give you a little longer than that. The way you fixed cars six months ago is 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 different than today versus 20 years ago. Forget it. It's a completely different animal. I read a report about a week and a half ago, and the conversation was from some mechanics. It was, a, it was an analysis about cost structure and, you know, how do you charge for certain repairs and, you know, do you charge – should you charge less – if someone brought you a 72 Chevy whatever with a four-barrel carburetor, would you charge a lower hourly repair rate to rebuild that carburetor than you would working on the fuel system of a modern 2017 automobile? And the answer was really kind of to point to home in that the hourly rate isn't predicated on what you're working on. It's how long it takes. So if it takes you two hours to rebuild that carburetor, which, by the way, is, you know, some 45, almost 50 years old, right? I mean, carburetors, carburetors have been around since 89. If you stop and look at that, there's extra work involved. Rebuilding the carburetors today from 40 years ago, 50 years ago is going to take you longer than rebuilding them five, six years ago when you were in the gas station and you were doing it in the bay. And you could do it in 45 minutes an hour. Auto repair changes. And this radio show is trying to change with it. And that's really the direction I'm taking it. But if you've got a question and you want to talk about it, 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anini, the car doctor, and I'm 
Happy to be here and proud to serve and able to help you out whenever I can. Give me a call. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the, the car doctor. Let's get on over and kick the garage doors open. Welcome Greg from Maine, 04 Dodge and some problems with a water pump. Greg, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Yes, hi. Yes, sir. I appreciate you returning my call. Thank you, sir. Uh, I have an 04 yeah, Dodge, um, and I've been through six water pumps since I've owned it, and I don't know what's going on. Help. <laughs> yeah. Um, how long have you owned it since new? Yeah, well, it was only a year old, so pretty much new. It had 27,000 miles on it. Okay. And can you tell me um, in the course of the past, so let's see, that would make it 12 years you've owned it. In the past 12 years, how many times have you done a coolant exchange? Not a drain and fill, but an exchange. Coolant exchange. Uh, unless my mechanic did it without me knowing it, I have never done one. Okay. So tell me about the water pump failures. Is it that the pump starts leaking or yes okay so the pump starts leaking is it is so it's leaks not bearing failures um i can tell you what leaks i i don't know the answer to your other question okay what i'm what i'm trying to sort out greg is you know, for something to have a repetitive failure it's it's one of a couple of possibilities the job's being done wrong and that's that's an easy one right we all like to point the finger at the other guy and say yeah it's his fault but you bolt a water pump up as long as it doesn't leak Chances are you're okay. So uh, unless he's banging on the end of the water pump like an anvil with a with a hammer like a blacksmith, then I I, I don't think that's the cause. Right. All right. And uh, just just to let you know that that's right. Just to let you know, four different entities have done it, so I don't believe that's the cause either. Right. And then we and then we have to have a conversation about you know could this be the part? You know everybody's everybody's right. got their own flavor of the week of what they like. There's you know there's cheap white box parts out there. There's you know straight quality right from the manufacturer. All right. Yeah. Um, I have to tell you somewhere after water pump number two, if I wasn't by then, I would be using an OE Chrysler water pump just to see what's different. All right. Although I don't I don't think that's okay. gonna I don't think that would have solved the problem in this case and that's too easy for me right it can't be that easy I'm the car okay. doctor I'm supposed to find the difficult stuff so um, <laughs> I could just sit there and go ah get a different you know use a Chrysler part and it is what it is it's, but that's not the answer right all right so then we come to the third thing if the bearing is seizing you know such that the pump locks up and the bearing fails or or you know, the bearing actually breaks and the pumps, the the blade's sitting at a little bit of a cockeyed angle. Then we're going to talk about maybe we've got a bad belt tensioner that the, okay. the belt itself is, you know, it's, it's like a big giant rubber band. And that tensioner, that automatic tensioner has to have some give to it. Otherwise, you know, when, when you put your foot in it, you know, to get out passing gear on the highway, whatever, you know, that, that tensioner has to have the ability to have put a little slack in it because when you wind it up, otherwise, you're gonna, and bang, you're pulling on that bearing. The side load on that bearing is, is, is tremendous at that point. But okay. this is leaking, right? You said this was leaking. Those right. were your words, right? So, every, every one of them has done that. Yep. Okay. Any other leaks, any other cooling system failures out of this vehicle? Uh, 
I did, you know, all those years, I did have to put a new radiator in, but I thought that was, quote, normal. So I've got one new radiator maybe two or three years ago, and and that's it from the leaking standpoint of that. Okay. So the top two things on my list would be, A, actually the second thing to my list would be, A, the quality of the part. Because you you, Mm -hmm. you could go to four mechanics, you know, right around the corner from each other, and they're all pulling from the same warehouse, and that warehouse is selling Brand X parts. So... We we've got to okay. we we've got to stop and think, you know, parts. Um, y- you know, whose parts are they? I mean, frankly, after the first All guy right. after the first guy did it, what was his reaction? Did he throw his hands up in the air, or did he, you know, did he? Uh, I thought I would try uh, somebody, you know, somewhere else, not to blame the person, but just to see, and and uh, that's what I did. Well, how many, you know, how far apart in between people doing it does it fail? Is it three years later? Well, here you go. Uh, I've had the majority of them fail within one year, maybe two tops. And I did have one. Um, I don't know what you think about the bars leak stuff, but I did have one go three or four years. That's because I put the, well, I'd like to think I kind of helped it, put the pellets to it. That lasted maybe four years. That was the longest one. Here's why I don't think the bars leak did anything, because that's oh, okay. a, that's a, that's a rotating seal. You know, my, under- yep. my understanding, I've never really looked at it, but my understanding is, not that I've, I've never taken a water pump apart to see, but my perspective of how that water pump works is it's a round shaft with a round seal. So okay. when that seal leaks, it's not that the bars leak can go somewhere and collect against a crack or a failure or a pinhole or something like that. I don't think the bars leak had anything to oh, do really? with it. Yeah, it doesn't, I don't, I don't buy that. All right, and if it does, right. it, if it does, you're putting a bandaid on a broken leg. Then why did the bars leak work? What That's I, right. What what I think at fault is here. All right, what I would be doing. All right, uh, with clear courage and conviction. Let me ask you this: Do you have an O'Reilly Auto Parts by you, Greg? Um, yeah, actually, I do. Okay, so I'll tell you what. Oops, I'm up against the clock, Greg. Sit tight. I've got the answer for you, and it's it's right down at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts. And uh, when we come back from this pause. We'll talk about it, and uh, you know, you and the rest of America will know what's going on. Hey, I'm Ron Annie in the Car Doctor. I'm cruising back right after this. Stay tuned. Running in the car, doctor. We're on the phone with Greg from Maine. Greg, you're still there, sir? Sure am. Okay. So here's the deal. We're talking to Greg about his 04 Dodge that's got a, a problem with water pumps. He's going through water pumps all the time for those of you just tuning in. Um, Greg, what you want to get do is get down to your O'Reilly Auto Parts that we talked about and ask them mm-hmm. for a coolant test kit. All right? Uh, they they okay. I, I know for a fact they stock a line of coolant test kits made actually by none other than Wix Filters. It's a Wix coolant test kit. I think the part number you're looking for is 24106. It's a little bottle of, okay. we, we call them dip strips. And what that will do is, you remember high school science class with the pH test and was it was it acid, was it base, and, you know, you determine right. the state of the chemical? Yeah. You, you, yeah. You, you're going to do that. If you haven't flushed the coolant in this 2004 vehicle ever and your mechanic is counting on a drain and fill process, 
that doesn't work. You drain a radiator, you get about a third of the coolant out of the system. There's still coolant down in the belly of the block, around the corners, in the heater core, in the very bottom of the radiator that doesn't always necessarily come out depending upon how you drain it. For that matter, if he's just counting on it when he takes the water pump out that it's it's been replaced, that, that doesn't count. And even if the coolant... Well, even if the coolant has been replaced, it's still a good idea on an older vehicle. Once a vehicle get past, gets, gets past the two-and-a-half to three-year mark, you want to start doing an acidic test strip on a regular basis because it'll tell you when it's about to go bad and you can do something about it. You were going to say something. Okay. You had a, a comment? I was going to say uh, my thought process, and I, from what you're saying, I was not correct, um, with all the pumps I replaced, that that took care of the old antifreeze, but you said not necessarily. Right. It's you're you're not going to get it all out, and okay. You know, always remember a cooling system circulates coolant, and it's going to act like a like a river with with the slow parts. You ever notice that in a in a in in, in circulation on a on a river bank, it's always the stagnant water that gets the mosquitoes and the scummy stuff. Same gotcha. thing. Same same thing with a cooling system in a vehicle. When it's when it's hard to get around the bends and it tends to collect in the lower areas, it's going to over time build up stagnancy. And it's it's you know it, as the coolant wears out and loses its ability to protect and do what it's supposed to do, uh, there is there's also a little bit of an electrical reaction to all the ground going through the blocks today. There's been cases of that documented that is actually changing the state of the coolant, and it makes the argument for coolant exchange the manufacturer like chrysler says coolant and a, a coolant exchange should be done every five years all right okay you know you wouldn't have to twist ron's arm to do it every four years in that case because if enough is good more is better and too much is just enough but right. you know to do it to do it never in 12 years eh, i think you know let's yeah. let's let's kind of look there because i bet you're going to test acidic and then we can make yeah, okay that's why the seals have failed i'm surprised you haven't lost other cooling system components all right. Now, on the flip side, if you do do a coolant test strip and yep. you you find out that the coolant tests absolutely picture perfect, then they give you a little chart on the side of the bottle. As a matter of fact, I think O'Reilly okay. Auto Parts, when you get down there, they'll actually have a kit. They have a kit where the chart's on the bottle, and then I think they have the kit where the chart's a little bit bigger, depending upon what your flavor is and what you like. All right. But, you know, if you get there and, you know, you find that the coolant tests good, then we got to start to think about, okay, what's the quality of the parts? Why did one last three years? Was it the bars leak? Or what would happen if we just went out and bought a Chrysler water pump? And, you know, make, okay. make sure we're getting a Chrysler new water pump, not a Chrysler, you know, rebuilt. We want top quality for this. Okay. I find the Hemis right. require a better component because they're a high output engine. They place a lot of, you know, torsional load on everything. And when you put your foot in yep. it, you know everything is under stress and obviously check the belt check the tensioner make sure everything is in line being where it's supposed to be but i think your problem is going to be your solution to the problem is going to be somewhere in this combination of events that i'm talking about all right sir and one last thing if you you got a half a second uh so if i'm going to change that you recommend every two three years well if it is the fluid if, if it's the fluid if the fluid tests acidic you're going to have to go to your mechanic or a mechanic and get a coolant exchange where they hook a machine okay. up. They're going to hook a machine up. This is like when you go in for a blood transfusion. They're going to hook a machine up to yep. the car, and they're going to do a one-for-one -one exchange. Now, understand this. I just had a 2001 Ford Ranger in the shop. It's a 14-quart capacity system. I did an exchange oh. of almost 20 quarts. 
because, okay. you know, you want to overcompensate because you want to make sure that, listen, it's not an exact science. You're going to machine up. You're not going to get out one for one every time. You'll, you'll put one in and you'll get out 80% of that quart. So, you know, you got to start gotcha. to think about ratios and scale. Um, at the point where you over overextend it, you know, if it's if it's a twelve quart system, you know, do it till it's clean or sixteen quarts, eighteen quarts. You know, play a rule of thumb: ten percent, twenty percent, something like that. But it's got to be an exchange, not a drain and fill. All right, and then I would probably gotcha. come back. I would probably come back and 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 obviously I would test it when I'm done, see if you've made a difference, yep. and then I would. If, if you're showing that it's clean after you did the exchange, I would do another mm-hmm. test in six months and then probably do another exchange in a year just to try and see, okay. you know, just to get as much of the crud out and continue to keep it down and um, see where that hey, gets I appreciate you. it. All right, sir. See what that does for you. you Great need, you show, as I'm sure you've heard many times. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here for you. Bye-bye. You take good care. Uh, yeah, I... Let's go back to basics each and every time. And by the way, I, I meant to mention to Greg, you can get out to O'ReillyAuto.com and find that Wix filter kit for testing coolant as well. So um, it's there. If you're still listening, Greg, you can do that. But um, anyway, let's pull over and take a pause, 855-560-9900. By the way, that number is toll-free. I should mention that. If you're looking for us anytime, day or night, call that number, 855-560-9900. Leave a message, and our producer will call you back and get you in line for the next show. We are live out on the radio network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you are podcasting this show from either cardoctorshow.com or TuneIn or iHeart or iTunes, wherever it comes from, if you have the opportunity on your player, please click subscribe. I'm Ron Anany in The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. back running the car doctor rolling along and what hour of the car doctor would be complete without a conversation with my man big tony tony how you doing all right so listen it's now it's you know the giant season is over giant season is over as well as the dallas cowboys right i i just you know what and i had to do this folks because i have to give tony 30 seconds to talk about how the cowboys lost not the giants go ahead tom it was a beautiful sunday for me and Tom Ray. Yes, it was. We gave we you know we text each other on the phone. We was like, high five, thank you, Jesus. The cowgirls are home now. They're okay. sitting next to the Giants on the couch. Okay. Well, are you guys feel better now? Yes. Okay. We can put. Oh, no, wait, 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 wait a minute. We can put. You telling me you were planning on going to a basketball game, and I told you you needed to ask Tony about that because we're changing seasons now. Um, yeah, we could be. We, are we changing? Yes, yeah. yes. I'm going to the Knicks game. Tonight. Yeah, you're going to the Knicks game. I'm going next, to the Knicks game tonight. Your daughter to see them play the, the Suns. Hopefully. Yeah. You and your daughter will bring them some luck because they need it right now. now. I, I've never been to a basketball game. Really? Never yeah. been to a pro game? I, I went, well, not a pro game. I used to go and watch the uh, Nets. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're, like, so, you're right. You've never been to a basketball never been game. To a basketball so now you're going game. to a real game. Never been to a game at the Garden. Yeah, okay, good. So uh, we're going to go do that tonight. And, um, uh, you know, maybe I'll get to sit in Celebrity Row. You never know. Might, might, but you know what? If you do, don't sit next to Woody Allen because you do have a pretty daughter. Mm, yeah, he likes well, young women. I'll be arrested. Yes. So, actually, no. She's the military one. She'll straighten him out. Okay. So, no problem. Let's get back to the show. Um, I love talking to you, Tony. Uh, Tom Ray, not so much. Justin in Iowa. How can I help you, sir? Thanks for allowing us to rant a little bit. What's going on? Uh, my 2003 Ford van is 
overheating. Um, it'll overheat once and then it'll be fine. Okay. And when it does that, just before the heater will blow, blow cold and then it might get warm and blow cold again. Um, I've replaced the thermostat and the water pump. High, high, and I had a mechanic high, tell me it might be a head gasket. And it might be. High mileage on this, Justin? What's that? Higher, high mileage on this vehicle? Uh, 146000 Okay. You know, are you losing any coolant? Do you add coolant mm, to it over time? I have never added coolant. It started acting up about a month and a half ago. And okay. it seems to act up more so in the colder weather. Today, okay. I drove 70 miles, and it has not uh, done it to me. But once it once it overheats, or, or the gauge will peg out, and then I'll shut it off. And it may take once or twice. I'll start it and then shut it off and start it. And it'll be normal, and the heater works just fine, and it'll never overheat again. All right. So a couple of things in my mind. Number one, you know, is it really overheating? Yeah, it probably is. All right, uh, you know, they're probably this is probably not something electrical. You know, a, a sending unit or a gauge, because you're also getting a no heat complaint. You're getting cold air, correct? So, so there's something mechanically changing state here. So let's address the second thing first. You know, you're driving along. If there was no overheat condition, but you told me you were driving along, and all of a sudden this car went cold air, and then it came back to warm air, hot air? Is, is, is that a fair statement of how this happens? It'll, like, pass? It, I mean, it, it takes a while for the thing to actually heat up. When, I, when, I, when, when it starts heating up and it'll actually act like it's in normal uh, temperature, running temperature, the, I'll have it on vent, and it'll actually blow cold. If I shut the fan off, then and wait a little bit and then turn it on, it'll blow warm air. But what's funny, I had one time that it was say, it said it was running normal. I wasn't getting any heat. And then the temperature gauge went clear to cold. And right after that, I heard like a, a almost like a whistling sound. Um, and then immediately or shortly after that, the temperature gauge pegged out. I slipped it in neutral, shut it off. And every time after that happens, the heater works great. It runs normal, just below half on the temperature gauge. And as long as the system, I'm assuming, stays pressurized, um, it won't overheat the rest of the day. I can leave it set for two hours or whatever, run my service calls, and I don't have an issue with it overheating more than once in a particular day. Anybody scan this for codes? No, okay. I've not scanned it for codes. The reason, and I, I'm not just talking PCM OBD2 codes. I'd like to see if there's anything in the GEM module. I'd like to see if there's any body codes in this also. Okay. I, I'm, I'm trying to determine, do you really have a problem mechanically, or is it an electrical problem? Is it an electrical issue? All right? Okay. You said service calls. What do you do for a living, Justin? I'm a locksmith. Okay. Um, I was hoping you I actually have an NGS... Uh, computer that I might actually be able to pull some codes myself. I was I, I was hoping you were going to tell me you were an HVAC tech and you had a you had a, a, a thermometer, uh, you know, an, infra, an infrared gun. Um, rats. I, I actually do have an infrared thermometer. Okay. To, 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 so to take the temperature. So let's 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 do it like this. 
you know, the average vehicle, obviously, depending upon climate and, and temperature, is going to take eight to ten minutes to get up the to get up the speed. You know, an older vehicle like this. So, you know, first thing you've got to do is, you know, time wise, how long does it really take to get warm? All right. And, you know, if you're sitting there running the temperature, if you get in, and I'm not saying you are, but if you're one of those people that gets in the car, starts it up, and 10 seconds later turns the heat on half speed, it's going to take longer to heat up because the the heater is pulling whatever heat the engine is building and cycling it right out. It's, it's becoming a mini radiator in a sense. So the longer you can wait, just, you know, wait wait for no heat. Wait till the gauge comes up to normal. I'd love That's to see, what I do. Okay. I'd love to see what a scan tool says as far as what the PCM is seeing as far as temperature, and does that match what the engine is actually at, or is, okay. it, is, it, is it lying and confused? All right, so that's important to me. I agree this could be a head gasket issue. There's a product out there called Quick Seal, Quick, Quick, or Fiber Lock, um, Fiber Lock in a green bottle, uh, about 35 40 bucks. your local auto parts store, O'Reilly Auto Parts has it for sure. And, you know, you can go through that and follow those directions. I'll tell you what, Justin, sit tight. Let me pull over and take this pause. I'm up against the clock. We'll come back and finish this. Don't go away. I'm running Andy in the car, Doctor. We will return. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. We are back. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Justin in Iowa, you're still there, sir? Yes, sir. Let's finish this. 03-40-250 for those of you just tuning in with some problems with overheat. So we want to verify how hot is hot. Is the engine really that hot or you know, does everything make sense? If we could look at this on a scan tool. Now, this engine is going to have a cylinder head temp switch or sender. You're not, you may not see coolant temp sender because they're, they're making their calculation off of cylinder head temp, not coolant temp. There's a separate sender for the gauge and then a separate cylinder head temp sensor for PCM information. All right? So just be mindful of that. If you're looking at this on a scan tool, it can drive you crazy if you're not aware. All right? So okay. we, we want to look at temperature. Is this really warm? Could we have a head gasket issue? Get some If it does, fiber lock um, by Quick Seal Fiber Lock. It's a derivative of CRC. I remember that. It's been a while since I've used it, but it does work well. O'Reilly Auto Parts will have it. Okay. Okay. Um, I used some bars, head gasket sealer. Okay. It was about 25 bucks, And I guess the reason I chose it is because I didn't have to drain the system down and, right. and well, you put it in and leave it in there. And I put that in there a week ago, and it hasn't changed anything. Okay. Um I'll say it like this. The only head gasket sealer, and I'm not a Band-Aid and a broken leg guy. You know that if you're a regular listener. I'm not a fan of pouring in, or if I am, it's because I've used it and it works. And I've used bars. I've used everybody's. The only one that I've used that actually works is the fiber lock stuff. All right? Now, how that's going to react with something else in there, I don't know. All right. right. I, I can tell you this: you don't have to drain it down to do the fiber lock. You have to get it, you know, a little lower just to take the contents of the bottle. But neither here nor there. Last thing. All right. Let some coolant out of the radiator. Suck some out. Take the radiator cap off. Stone cold. Crank it over. Does it burp coolant? 
right? If this thing has a head gasket leak when it's cold, if there's a, if there's an issue there, it should push coolant out of the neck of the radiator like, a, like an air pump because that's basically what it is at that point, and that might give you a clue. Let me know what happens, Justin. Give me a call back. I'm running into the car, doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.